So what's going on, everyone? We had to do some quick pivots here. For those of you on Instagram, we were supposed to do an Instagram live with uh, the infamous Bob Berg, author of The Go-Giver, one of my favorite books of all time. And so again, technology, things happen. You think in the Zoom era, we'd have this stuff figured out, but we still don't. So that's okay. We had to pivot. We're actually doing a live on YouTube. So if you want to join us on this interview with Bob Berg, author of The Go-Giver and Go-Giver, sell more books. I want you to join us on YouTube or join us on Facebook. On YouTube, all you need to do is subscribe to my channel, The 7-2 Mindset Investor. On Facebook, it's The 7-2 Mindset Investor. And while we do that, uh, we're going to bring up Bob Berg. How's it going, Bob? Hi, Mark. Great. How about you? I am doing fantastic. And I am just so, I'm like a kid in a candy store talking to one of my idols here. Nice. Um, but with you, a, no, that's very nice. <laughs> your your book, I mean, I have it right here. I have the five laws of success sitting right here on my desk, and it just serves as a reminder. So for those of you that are on right now, those of you listening, Bobberg wrote the book, The Go-Giver. It's been highly recommended from, from those of my mastermind. And when I read it, I couldn't I couldn't put it down. It was one of those books where it was a lot like uh, when I read Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch Album. When I read, uh, yeah, you know, the five people you meet in heaven, I just couldn't keep that book down. Uh, what a phenomenal read! Um, how did you start with that book? Like that? Where did it come from? Let's start there. Yeah, and and by the way, as far as the the you know the writing of the book, and I I so appreciate the uh, the reference to uh, Mitch Album, the the great author of those two books you mentioned. Uh, you know, I had a great co-author, John David Mann, who was the lead writer and storyteller. I'm a how-to guy. I'm step one, step two, step three. So sure. you know, without John, that it it would have been a how-to book, not a a parable. Um, but I, I had a book out years and years ago called Endless Referrals, Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales, which was a, you know, a how-to book, which was basically my system. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, Mark, I define a system as the process of predictably achieving a goal based mm -hmm. on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. So, sure. so the key is B is predictability, right? If you if it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired result of B, then you know that all you need to do is A and continue to do A and continue to do A, and eventually mm -hmm. you'll get the desired result of B. Well, that's what Endless Referrals was. It was a, a, a system for how salespeople and entrepreneurs who knew they had a great product or service and they knew it brought immense value to others, but they may not have felt comfortable with the process of going out into their local communities and cultivating those relationships with people that 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 cause people to want to do business with them, to mm -hmm. want to refer them to others. And it was based on a premise that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. So, uh, you know, that had been a, a, a nice selling book for quite a while, but I'd always read parables and always enjoyed parables, right? Because mm -hmm. they're stories, they connect on a heart to heart level. And, you know, you as a great, great salesperson that you are, you know how important it is to be able to relate and to connect on a deep level with a person and how stories can be a big part of that. And whenever I'd read parables, I always found, you know, I, I felt connected to the author. I felt connected to the characters. I felt connected to the message. And I thought, what if we could take that same basic no like, and trust premise and put it into a parable? So I, I kind of asked myself, so what is the, and this is where I usually go when I have some kind of idea, it's what's the, the substance, what's the essence of a person who's able to quickly and sustainably 
create those kinds of relationships. And it always comes down to they are givers. Uh, they're always looking to give value to others, okay? They're, they're go-getters, people of action, and they're go-givers, people who are absolutely positively focused on bringing immense value to others. So coming up with the go-giver and, you know, uh, fine, but but it was really, uh, going back to John, it was asking John to be, who was the editor-in-chief of a magazine I used to write for, who had a reputation within a niche. Um, now he's, you know, he's kind of everywhere, but back then he was just very big within a certain niche, but everyone who knew him knew how brilliant he was and what a great mm -hmm. storyteller he was. Fortunately, I was one of those people who knew him. Mm -hmm. So I asked him to be that, you know, the lead writer and the, the, uh, uh, storyteller. And he, you know, fortunately he said, yeah. So, <laughs> well, you know, the, the book, I mean, you know, like I said, I talked about Mitch album. I talked about, you know, Tuesdays with Maury, five people in heaven. Even when I was reading this book, as I put this book down, I'm like, because I love the parable idea because even the monk is sold as Ferrari by, by Sharma. Robin Sharma. Oh, one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Robin absolutely. and the book. And the book. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, so like, so I, I come from a high ticket sales background. Uh, yeah. That's my passion. And, you know, and, you know, people ask me, what is the, what are the two most valuable skills to be in sales? And I say it's listening and empathy without mm, those two. Um, you can't sell. Right. But I left re reading your book and I'm like, well, if you're, you're, when you're listening and you're providing empathy, you are giving because you're giving someone that, that is, and that's all they want. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the old English root of the word sell was salan, which literally meant to give. So when you're selling, you are literally giving. Now, someone might say, wait a second, Berg, I, you know, I get that. That's clever and all, but isn't that just kind of semantics, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think it is. Um, I mean, if you are in a selling position, you're about to do a presentation for someone, you have someone, in, you know, you have a qualified prospective buyer in front mm -hmm. of you, okay? Mm -hmm. What exactly then, uh, if you, and you, so you are selling, what exactly <clears throat> are you giving? I suggest you're giving time, attention, counsel, education, empathy, and immense value, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and so, and you know, of course, it always begins with listening because what, what is really sales? Sales is discovering what the other person wants, needs, and desires and helping them to get it. Absolutely. So I, I totally, you, you and I are of like mind. We're, we're twin brothers. I love that. And you know, when people ask me when I'm, when I've been, people tell me the stages of someone in sales, a sales representative, for example, it doesn't matter. Everybody in this world is a salesperson as far as I'm concerned. Me too. Um, <laughs> and um, there's different stages of selling. I mean, you can come in as a sales rep if we're going to be talking about positions, but your relationship with the buyer, whoever that is, is going to change along the way. So we move through these different seasons. However, one can may just stay as a sales rep who only cares about the transaction and not about the transformation. And as we start leading with value and providing value, we move up that chain to be the consultant. But I believe the ultimate level to be in sales is to be one's trusted advisor. Whereas they reach out to you, you have such a, a, a bond, um, I remember my, my days in high ticket sales in the medical community where I would get calls and saying, we need to meet with you. And I'd sit down with them and they would actually present products that I had no clue what they did. They were not in my sphere, but they said, but you know, the people. 
Exactly. Exactly. And that's when you know you're a trusted advisor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let me ask you a question then. Um, Joe and, and the chairman. I mean, have you run into, have you met the Joe? Have you run, like met the chairman? Like when I, I know it's parable, but people in your life, people in your sphere, are they the Joes? Are they the chairmans? Well, I mean, I, I think Joe in the story was everyone. You know, he was the the every man or every woman. We have all been Joe or Josephine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, my personal Joe story was when I'd been in sales for a couple of years and I'd actually been doing pretty well because I had learned, I'd studied, I'd applied, mm-hmm. I'd, you know, done, but I, I was selling a high ticket item. I w- w- began to work for another company in, in which I sold a high ticket item. And, um, I was in a slump from the right from the beginning and I, mm-hmm. I couldn't seem to get out of the slump and the mm-hmm. harder I worked, the harder I pressed, the more I focused on myself. Sure. Right. And, and, you know, it was a, a the mistake of a 25, 26 year old who just, you know, and uh, I remember coming back to the office one day after a, a missed sale. And uh, I was, I must've looked really disgusted at myself because one of the men in the office, he was a, a much older guy, which is really funny because this is about 40 years ago. So when I say a much older guy, he was probably younger than I am now, right? <laughs> Decrepit old man, right? You no, know, you're so young at heart, then, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> the you have is amazing. <laughs> but I, I think he saw me, at, and he, by the way, he wasn't even in, in the sales department. He was, I, I think, an engineer, and he actually did retire soon after. I, I didn't know him very well, but he was one of these guys who, you know, we've all known these people. He, he didn't say much, but whenever he did, it was typically very profound. Mm-hmm. And I think he saw me as, as Joe, you know, that I, who I would write about years and years later, but I think mm-hmm. he saw me as that young, up and coming, aggressive, ambitious, hard work, right? Sales guy who just was not nearly as successful as he should be and was not even close to realizing his potential and whose focus was totally different from where it should be. Mm-hmm. And he, he said to me, um, Berg, he, he was a last name kind of guy. He said, Berg, can I give you some advice? Well, immediately I said, yeah, absolutely. Please do. I, I need it. And he said, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, he said, you'll get a reward. And that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money whatever you choose. But never forget, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It ain't the target itself. Your target is serving Mm -hmm. others. And that's when I, as Joe, realized that selling great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. Mm -hmm. Great to, you know, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. You know? They're not going to buy from you because you need the money and they're they're not going to buy from you just because you're a nice person. They're going to buy from you because they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And for that to happen, your focus cannot be on yourself. Your focus, great salesmanship, is never about the product or the service. As important as those are, it's not about those. Right. Great salesmanship is about the other person. It's about those people whose lives you want to add value to. It's about those people, Mark, whose lives become better as a result of you being part of it. And I think that when we approach sales that way, I think we're nine steps ahead of the game in a 10-step 
game. And, you know, so so this shift in focus is really, in a sense, what the go-giver is all about. Mm-hmm. It's moving from an I focus or me focus to an other focus. Again, shifting your focus from getting to giving, giving in this context, simply meaning constantly and consistently providing immense value to others understanding that not only is that a more pleasant way of conducting business more fulfilling way it's the most financially profitable way as well absolutely wow that is so profound and as as you're talking i'm I'm, you know i'm thinking myself when someone's given a quota let's just say it's 10 million dollars don't focus on that 10 million dollar target like you said focus on serving 10 million people or putting in 10 million dollars worth of service out right exactly that is that is profound and it just removes the pressure it removes the pressure right away sure does so so, i mean of the laws i mean we got the law of value um i got the book like i said right here your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment there is the law of compensation which is your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them the law of influence which is your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. The law of authenticity, which is the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. And the law of receptivity, which is the key of effective giving is to stay open to receiving. Do you have one of these laws right here? Is there one that is the absolute paramount? I don't think there's one that that we could say that only because if you were to remove any of them, you would remove the, you know, the, the greatest potential that you would have to achieve. I mean, it begins with the, with the focus on providing such a value based experience Mm -hmm. that that person feels they receive more in value than what they paid. Remember, there's a big difference between price and value as you know, right? Price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth or value to another human that they will willingly and gratefully exchange their money for it in exchange for this, okay? So when you provide such an immense experience, both intrinsically through your product or service and extrinsically through the overall experience, Mm -hmm. they feel great about it and you make a very healthy profit. In fact, in any free market-based exchange, and when I say free market, I simply mean no one's forced to do business with anyone else. People do so on their own volition. In any free market-based exchange, there are always two profits the buyer profits and the seller profits because each of them come away much better off afterwards than they were beforehand. That only happens when there's a separation between price and value. So, So you have to have that. Then there's the law of compensation, which is all about the number of lives you impact. So it's not enough to just impact, you know, one person's life as great as that is. That's probably not going to to equal a a high income, okay? So it's not just a matter of value, that's your potential income. Sure. But the number of lives you impact with that immense value, that's your actual income. Wow. 
Now for law number three, the law of influence, when we say place the other person's interests first, that does not mean that you should be anyone's doormat mm -hmm. or a martyr or self-sacrificial in any right. way. It's just as Joe learned from several of the mentors and we talked about earlier, the golden rule of business is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing, Mark, and you know this, there's no, there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you in others than mm -hmm. by genuinely moving from that eye focus to that other focus, looking to as, as Sam, one of the mentors in the story advised Joe, make your win all about the other person's win. Right. Law number four about the, you know, authenticity. Well, I mean, this almost speaks for itself because uh, as, as Deborah, one of the mentors in the story taught, uh, all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as all of those are, and we know those are all very important. They're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. Right. But when you do, right, when you, as we like to say, show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. They mm -hmm. feel comfortable with you. They feel safe with you. Why wouldn't they? They know who they're getting. And that leads to trust. And then, you know, and that's the kind of trust, as you said, you had with your with your clients. They knew you were going to show up as Mark and you were going to give them the right advice based on your knowledge and experience. Right. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter what the situation was. You were always going to show up as you. And then law number five, the law of receptivity, you know, the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. That simply tells us that, yeah, you breathe out and you've also got to breathe in. It's not one or the other, right? right. You breathe out carbon dioxide, breathe in oxygen, breathe out, which is giving, breathe in, which is receiving. Well, we have, we receive actually so many negative messages from the world around us about money, about prosperity, about abundance, about business. It can really get into a person's head, into yeah. their unconscious. It's everywhere. How right, bad money and business and all these, you know, hey, there are a lot of people in the world. People don't always do things the way we want. But for anyone who operates in a a, a basically free market, meaning no one's forced to buy from you. The only way you can make a lot of money is to find, you know, more, better, creative ways to give more in value than you take in payment. Continue to touch the lives of more and more people with the exceptional mm -hmm. value you provide. Uh, uh, in, increase and expand your influence through your willingness to place other people's interests first. Stay congruent with your true authentic core. And when you do all that, you've created the benevolent context to receive, but you've got to allow yourself. You've got to breathe in. You've got to allow yourself to receive and get right. past all those negative messages that tell you why you shouldn't receive or you're not worthy of receiving or honest people don't make a lot of money or, the, you know, and all that malarkey that we yeah. that we get hit with. So that, you know, that's basically the five laws. It's interesting, you know, because um, I always struggled with that. I was I was proud of myself on on providing, but I never wanted to take because I was, it was maybe just the way I was. A lot of people, sure. And um, and it was reading. Um, I read a book by Ken Honda. Um, happy, oh, happy money. Absolutely. Arigato. Uh, Arigato. We say that now every time when, when Kathy, my business partner and I, after that, that book, we say that now every time, whenever anything comes in, 
we say, you know, when we, we you know, we see an, another member joined our uh, success alliance or somebody bought this or we got another speaking. Yeah, so we always uh, we text each other. Arigato. Yeah, I love that. And so those who, you know, who haven't read his book yet, it's that, you know, Arigato, of course, is thank you in Japanese. Ken is the the sort of the Japanese uh, abundance and prosperity uh, authority. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and he, he said, just say Arigato. Get used to saying thank you. Receive and say arigato absolutely, absolutely. I love that. yeah I, I i see ken honda as the modern day japanese napoleon hill i love it yeah and he is and he's a great guy yeah and so today i was stuck doing my taxes and there was a lot of arigatos i was saying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> positive, right um right <laughs> so you know sales the, the landscape of sales has changed so much it, it, technology has just changed people have gone to this um, and really sales is, I call sales is the art of communication sales. I I'm firm, I'm old fashioned. I believe it's hand to hand combat. It's face to face. What, what are your thoughts on sales? Like as, as a, as a, as a philosophy, I mean, what do you, what do you like, are you seeing any gaps now that we're in this, like up in Canada, we're, we're in a lockdown. So things are all done through zoom. The, the human touch just isn't there. Uh, any, any thoughts on that? You know, Mark, I, I think it's 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 up to the salesperson to make it a human touch, regardless of the medium, regardless mm -hmm. of the platform. You know, I I remember when I first started out in sales, not not when I first started out in sales, but when I first started out in my own speaking business. Okay, mm -hmm. my sales were all through the telephone. Remember, this is years and years sure. ago. Uh, well, long before the internet. And of course I was, I was prospecting groups and organizations all over the country. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, it was all, it started on the phone and I built great relationships with people over the phone. Would it have been a little easier in person? Sure. But if you do a cost benefit analysis, it wouldn't have been made sense to, you know, yeah. time wise and money wise and all these other ways to have flown to every place to make a prospecting call, right? Until with the phone. And, and, but I was a, between that, sending handwritten notes, doing my follow-up, doing the different thing. I created great relationships. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, once social media came about and people said, well, well, Bob, can you, you know, create relationships on, on social media? Well, yeah, sure. You can now, would it, is it even better in person, face-to-face, belly-to-belly, as we used to say, of course, but we work with what we have. And, but, you know, some of my best relationships, most wonderful friends, treasured friends, uh, I've either never met in person or met a couple of times in person. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is, has sales changed? I think it's changed in that way that there's different, you know, uh, platforms and there's different ways now that we get to and have to mm -hmm. <laughs> connect with people. But I agree totally with what you said. It's all about the communication. It's all about being that person who, mm -hmm. who makes it heart to heart uh the medium is just the you know the the way we do it but it's it's definitely a means to an end good to know well, i appreciate that and you know as we come to a close with the with uh with the interview um i this just came in the mail and i can't wait to oh. read it <laughs> Thank um, you. so and i didn't even know there was this go giver sell more so i'm gonna bring it to my camera so people can see that uh, can you tell me more about this book before I, before I dive in? Because I'm actually reading a book by Jay uh, Samet, which is called Future Proofing Yourself, which is just an amazing book. And right after that's done, I got this. So, yeah. So, so there are four books in the Go Giver series. Uh, okay. Three of them, yeah, three of them are parables. 
And one of them is not. Now, the one you have there, the green book, Go Givers Sell More, that's the only one in the series that's not a parable. That is a um, sort of an application guide, if you will, to the go giver. So we go into some deeper detail, you know, about the five laws. And we provide a lot of examples of people who either after they read the book or long before they ever read the book were applying those principles. You know, there's nothing new that John Mm -hmm. and I talk about in The Go-Giver. These are all principles that have been around, you know, by the very nature that they're principles, it means they've always been. (laughs) And so uh, and and so that really is is why we wrote that one, because people just say, you know, in a parable, obviously, you, you can only go so deep, you know, into it. And so we thought we felt that was a, a, a chance to, um, you know, to share some real life stories about how people have, you know, and uh, and, and then the, the next two parables after that are the go giver leader. And then my favorite of the entire series is the last one, the go giver influencer. So okay. which is more about people skills. And so uh, so, yeah, that's I hope you enjoy that book. That you have. Oh, I'm going to absolutely. And I'll send you a message for sure. Um, oh. And what I'm going to be doing, my assistant will be in touch with your with your assistant as well. I have the seven two hat, and just to give you some a background, what the seven two as we come to a close is. So I go by the seven two mindset investor. So before I was a real estate investor, I kept on saying I'm investing in real estate. In actual fact, I wasn't investing in real estate. I was investing in between my ears mm. um, about mindset and just pouring it in. So the seven two for me is um, so I'm not sure if you're a poker player or have played poker, but the seven two is the worst possible hand in poker. Uh, or one of them and they say you can't control the hands you're played in life but you can con- but you can control how you play that hand the seven tune poker most people will fold that hand so i just got to a point in my life and said i'm not folding that hand i'm going to make the best with that hand and uh-huh. and and because of playing that hand i'm here with you today so what i'll be doing is i'll be send- be sending you a gift i'll be sending you a hat um the seven two hat and uh I want to say thank you so much, um, Bob. Oh. This has just been an absolute treat. Uh, as soon as we're done here, I'm going on Amazon ordering all the books. <laughs> By the way, so if you're a poker player, and, and I'm not, I'm I'm uh, 21. I like blackjack. That's the only game I, I know how to play. But um, if you're a poker player, did you ever read Annie Duke's book, um, Thinking in Bets? No. Oh, you will love this. She Thinking was a world champion poker player. You know, she was in all those Las Vegas, the TV yeah things and uh so she wrote a book thinking in bets and i think it was how to make the best decisions when you don't have all the facts or something like that oh. she also wrote another book a uh, follow-up that just came out called how to decide in which she takes all those so really what she's all about is just what you said it's it's making the right decision when we don't have all and we never have all the facts in front of right. us so we always we, we, so she talks about the di- there, that there's a big difference between the right decision and the best results hmm. because as you know in a poker hand you may have an 87% chance of winning so you make the bet but that doesn't mean that the result but the but the more you know what the right decision is the greater the chance that the the best result will happen so you'll probably love her two books and she has oh, a, a really great way of uh explaining it to i love that in fact i'm actually working with uh, my team working with uh bedros Kulian's group uh we're supposed to be doing a podcast oh, I love bedros. yeah so i've been invited to go to california to do a podcast with them and this is supposed to happen in late august and um his book was called man up and he talks about right. all you need is 70 percent of the information to, to make a decision ah right 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 yeah, so I, I, like I tell him i said hello we'll do 
Bob, this has just been phenomenal. I want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you on behalf of my viewers, my audience, myself personally. You, what you have written is, a, is an absolute gift. And you know what? And I always, I never take anything for granted with respect to if I can have this conversation with you, I'll be able to share this with the world. And uh, I know someone's going to take some golden nuggets and it's going to just, just change the trajectory of their life. So I want to say thank you so much. Well, thank you. And by the way, if anyone would like to read, you know, like the first chapter of any of the books, they can go to Berg, B-U-R-G dot com and scroll down to where it has the different books. Click on any of them that you like, read an excerpt or, or chapter one. And they can also look for where it says the Go-Giver Success Alliance, which is an online uh, mentorship. Uh, community if they'd like to look into that as well so we have a bunch of goodies there if they'd like to check it out love that so what we're going to do is uh, we're actually going to put that in the show notes we'll make sure we get that out we send an email out to our our audience and we'll make sure we get them all the information how they can find that information so bob you know have yourself an amazing uh, evening thank you so much and uh yeah we'll stay in touch my friend absolutely mark thank you so much i appreciate you no problem and i appreciate you you take care Bye bye Okay, bye-bye.